in Megillah, as we learned for a fourth line for Yosef Azriel ben Chaimichal and Elazar ben Reuma. We'll start from the uh, near the bottom of Chof Zayin Amid Beis on yesterday's stop, the two dots, about 10 lines from the bottom of the page. Famous Gemara, Shal Tamidav es Rabbi Zakai. Rabbi Zakai's students asked him, with what were you able to live so long? In other words, what, what do you attribute your longevity to? I never urinated within four amos of davening. In other words, when I finished my shmanesrei, I at least uh, uh, walked away uh, more than dalad amos uh, before I urinated. And I never made up a nickname, a derogatory nickname for a friend of mine. And I always made sure to make Kiddush on Shabbos. Um, and these are things that he did. He says all these things that he did were, uh, he, he attributed his long life to doing these good deeds. Imas um, uh, I had an elderly mother. She once sold her head covering, the Avili Kiddush Hayom, in order to buy Kiddush for me, because I was so mocked about making the Kiddush. Tanak Shemesa, when she died, she left him 300 jugs of wine uh, as an inheritance. In other words, in, in return for selling her head covering and embarrassing herself, uh, or at least that she'd have to stay at uh, Sanua and stay in the house, she wouldn't be able to go out without her head covering. In, in return for that, uh, Shem was Mazaka her and she, and she inherited to her son 300 jugs of wine. Shemesu, when he died, he was the one who was mocked about Kiddush. He left his sons uh, 3,000 barrels of wine. In other words, these were things that he was mocked about. He was mocked about Kiddush and the other things that he mentioned about uh, urinating within the davening and not making fun of other people. And that uh, uh, he attributed his long life to that. Rav Huna have a Risa. Rav Huna came to, to learn wearing not a regular garter or, or a belt, but rather it was like a string or a piece of uh, grass or like Rosh says, gummy made out of some vegetation. In other words, he didn't have a regular belt. Amalei, my high, what's wrong with you? Where's your regular belt? Amalei, I had no wine for Kiddush. And I, uh, I, and I used my, my belt as a uh, collateral to get some money. But also make Kiddush. And with that money, I made Kiddush. Let it be the will of God that you should be covered with silk. In other words, in return for you selling your basic garment, in order, or, or, or uh, at least using it as collateral, um, you know, mortgaging it in order to be able to get some wine for Kiddush, may Hashem reward you with fancy clothing with uh, silky ichlo. Rabba Bray, when Rabba, his son, we're talking about Rafuna's son, Rabba, Rabba Rafuna, when he got married, when he came to the, um, to the chuppah, Rafuna Inish Gutzahaba, he was a small man, and not clear why this is mentioned, but gone up where he was, he was sleeping on the bed, laying down on the bed. Did he notice? <laughs> they didn't notice That's him, why. Yeah. They didn't notice what? He was lying on the bed because he was small. Okay. So, Keep going. so what? Stagana Puri, his daughters came, because and his daughters in law, Shulchan Minayu, and they went and they took off their garments, their silk garments, uh, and they put them on him at the eighth until he was covered with silk. Shama Rab. So, in other words, to fulfill the bracha that Rav had given him. Rav had told him, listen, you know, you, you, you um, collateralized your, 
your belt, you mortgaged it for some money for wine. So may you be zocha that you should be covered in silk. So at the at this at the son's chuppah, he was taka covered by his daughters and daughters-in-law in this silk. Shama Rav, Rav heard about that. The ikbin, he was upset. Omar, my time alone, why didn't you tell me back? When I blessed you, uh, when I blessed you and said that you should be covered, you should have also said to me, Lamar. So I should have gotten the bracha too. In other words, if my bracha was mukrim for you, maybe had you done it, you would have also been mekaimit for me. I'm still not clear why it was mentioned but that he was why small. Why else would they take their clothes off and throw it on you? They didn't notice him on the bed. That's what I, I was looking at. Yesterday. They didn't that's notice him on the bed. If they noticed, they noticed him on the bed. That's why they put the clothes on. No, they covered him in that. Oh, that's what you think, that he was small and they didn't notice they didn't him. Notice. And so they just threw it on top of him. I thought, but then it's not, then it's like he, he was smothered, like, you know, yeah, he wasn't, wasn't the real maybe, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that's what happened. But just the opposite, he was, <laughs> they did it at sneers. He didn't feel it, he didn't even realize yeah. it. He was covered like it, maybe that that's was not it. Yeah, yeah. good, right, right. The Bruch meant that he should be. Yeah, very good, that's good, that's good, that's good. He was so small, they didn't realize it. So then they took off their, their outer garments, their silk garments, they just threw it on him without realizing he was there. <laughs> that was, he must have been pretty small for that. That's, uh, I think that's a little they're bit too far. People, yeah, people. yeah. Okay. Shalom um, All these are examples of students asking their Rebbe, what, what were you Zofa to live a long life? Notice none of them ever said, none of them ever taught a well, I, I washed my cholesterol, I didn't eat any uh, red <laughs> meat, or I exercised, I went swimming. Didn't give those things. Those things, of course, can help. But uh, still, you have to be zochet a long life for some other spiritual reasons. I never use the shul as a shortcut. Right. There's another one outside. I never use the shul as a shortcut. And I never, I never stepped on the heads of the holy nation. What does that mean? That when he went to get to his spot. To get to his spot in the, in the yeshivas in those days, they, all the tamidim would sit on the ground. In order to get to his seat in the front, he would have to, so to speak, walk between them. It looked like he was walking on their heads. He never did that. He rather waited and didn't didn't go to his seat in order not to make it look like he was walking on their heads. And if I guess he was a coin, he says, "I never, I never him without make a bracha." prayed up. What were you zochet to live a long life? Nobody ever beat me to the shul. I always was the first one in the base matters each day. And that's one of the reasons. Below Barak with a coin. Right, right, right. He said, he's not here every day. Below Barak Lifne coin. And I never and I never made a bracha before the coin. What does that mean, Below Barak Lifne coin? Yeah, in other words, when he benched, he never, he always, he always gave the benching. He was benching with a coin. The halacha in the Torah was that every any animal that's that's uh, slaughtered, you have to give its raw chaim kaper to the coin. So he says, I never ate from food that uh, that the these matanos were not given to the coin. You're not allowed to eat from an animal that uh, that the true that these gifts were not given to the coin from there. The, the gifts are not kadosh, they're not hegdish, or in the sense that only a coin could eat them, but they're they belong to the coin. And yeah. there was a time. At least in time to Gemara, that they did give them. Today, it's not. Uh, we don't do that. Um, it's sort of fall, fallen wayside. Maybe we don't know what the coin are, etc. But, but um, the uh, in that time they did it. So he says, I never ate from an animal 
whose uh, whose gifts were not given to the coin. Yitzchak said that whoever Yitzchak said that that you can't eat, and Yitzchak also said that if you eat from an animal like that, it's like eating tevel. Tevel meaning really that's an isra punishment of of It's like you ate uh, from grains that tumas uh, maizus were not given. It's not like him. It's not as and not as uh, stringent as that. So I never made a bracha by the kind of the maimed by Yusi. Is it a good thing for a tamachacham to be mechavet a coin with the benching? If a tamachacham allows uh, a coin to bench in front of him, I feel coin gadol, even if he's a coin, but if he's an amaretz, also tamachacham misa shenamer. It's called mesanai of umavas. All those who hate me love death. I'll take a mesanai elamasnia. Those who cause me to be hated. Meaning, if you see that a tamachacham is mechavet. Kohen Gadol Amaretz, so it means Torah is not that chashuv, and the Torah is diminished in the eyes of the seaboard, and then people will hate the hate the uh, Judaism. Does Kikamar Iu Bishavan? No, he was talking about where not a not a not a uh, Amaretz. So the Kohen Gadol was also somebody respected, also a Tamachacham. So if they were both Tamachacham, even if even if he was a greater Tamachacham, but if the Kohen Gadol was also a, a Tamachacham of sorts, then it's proper to give the Kohen Gadol the bracha. They asked him. What and what did you do to be zochah to live a long life? I never took honor in the shame of my friend. In other words, I never raised myself up when the other guy was down. And the curse, uh, a curse of my friends, never was went with me to bed. Meaning, he was we'll see was always mochel everybody before he went to bed. I was forgiving with my money. I was generous. Rafuna was carrying a spade on his shoulder. He took it from him. He says he'll carry it. This took it in place of Rafuna. If you normally carry a spade in your town, so then you're allowed to be low. But if not, and you're just doing it to honor me, for me to be honored with your shame, in other words, that you're going to be schlepping the spade for me, as if to say, I'm a a person and you're less so, I don't want that. But also, that, that was what he said. So in other words, he didn't want to take cover uh, at the expense of somebody else. And, and a, a curse of my friend never went up on my bed. When he would go to bed at night, Omar, Shari lay, Shari lay, Morey, May God forgive whoever whoever troubled me, I mochel them. That's part of what we say also in uh, you know in Kriyash Malamita. You say you you're you're you everybody. Vatum b'moni isi. I was generous with my money. I was forgiven. Gomer mar io vatum b'mona habe. Io was also a uh, was uh, generous with his money. Shayim enich pruto lechanvani mimamone. In other words, he always gave him a little bit of extra tip. Uh, uh, he always, whatever the thing cost, he gave a little bit extra money there. Shouldn't be any shiles. Make sure that the guy got well paid. What did you do to be so live a long time? Also, Gabze, his assistants came there. In other words, Rabbi Kiva asked what will you so live a long life? And Rabbi Kiva's servants there, his assistants came. We were beating him up. He said, what is this guy? What are you trying to do? Like, what do you mean, what's it your business? Are you trying to question why he lived a long life? Maybe he shouldn't. It's like he thought, it, he thought they thought Rabbi Kiva was acting disrespectfully. So, like, Yasama Rashid Nikos, so Rabbi Kiva 
after he was beaten, went up on top of the on, on top of the tree. And to show that he was a serious student, he wasn't stop masking and stop and nudnik saying, hey, you're an old man. What are you still alive for? Like, why are you still alive? He meant serious. I'm a Rebbe. Even though my keves, if the Pasuk says keves, keves is singular. It says keves echad tasevaboker. Why does it say keves echad? Keves means is single. That means one. Amalahu, ah. So Mechunigal said, this young Rabbi Kiva is a scholar because he's asking good questions. Shafku, let him be. In other words, don't beat him. He meant to ask you a good question. So first of all, he answered him, Echad means not just one single. It means he's miyuchad, he's special in the flock. So kevas, yes, means one. Echad means he's miyuchad, get the, take the best of your flock as a carbon. And then he answered the question about why did he live a long time? I never accepted gifts from anybody. And I never stood up uh, for uh, those who um, those who wronged me, I never, I never tried to get back at them. I didn't. I, I let it go. I was generous with my money. Uh, those three things. Most of these answers have three things involved. Loki Balti Matanas. I guess they did many more good things, but those are the main three that they stood out for. Loki Balti Matanas. I never accepted gifts. Kihad Matanas When the when the king would send him, king or the president of the country would send him gifts. Love a shuckle, love a shuckle. He didn't, he wouldn't accept any gifts. Give him his omnilay when they would invite him. Well, obviously, he wouldn't go there either. That was also a gift being invited over for a meal. He said You don't want, you're not happy if I live. By giving me gifts, you're trying to kill me. I don't want your gifts and I don't want your meals. Rav Zayra gave him a when they would send him a gift. He wouldn't accept it when they would send him a gift. Give him his omnilay. But when they when they invited him over, also Omar Isyakuri de Misyakri B, they are honored if I come. In other words, they're not giving me a gift. My presence at their meal is a is a gift to them. I'm giving them a gift because they're honored by my presence, as it is, as happens very often. If the king comes to your house or a hush of a person comes to your house, you're getting the honor. You don't think I'm giving him a meal. You think that he's honoring you. And never stood up for my uh, my on principles. Right, that's that's also right, right, right. That's in general, but here you're talking about specifically invited a great rabbi to the house, so they got covered in and never stood up on principle. My whoever is forgiving, and when he's wrong, he lets it go. All his sins are forgiven. No say of them. Hashem is forgives the sin over al pesha for those who pass over the sin, meaning for those who let it go. Who does God? Forgive Lamisha over Pesha, the one who forgives other people, the one who, who, who forgives other people when he's wrong, doesn't stand on his honor. Shaul, Rebbe, we had this Gemara also before. He has his son signed, he says, Mashani, and Yuma, this famous line called Mavro Medos, Mavir and Kopshav. Shaul, Rebbe, it's from Shubin Kachan. Now remember, we've been asking, we've been talking about many Rabbanim. Here, this is important. Rebbe asked Rebbe Shubin Kachan, what, what did you do to uh, merit long life? Omelay. You begrudge me my long life. And it's like, again, they're asking like Rabbi Kiva, the, the, the citizens of Rabbi Nechunia Gadol thought, you know, what are you living a long life? It's like you go over to an old man and say, hey, you're still alive, you know, like, you're still alive. What, what are you doing here? Are, are you begrudging me? I'm a little, no, Rebbe, Tori, I want to know, I want to know how to be, it's it's part of the Torah. You live along, you do good things. You know, uh, uh, they don't ask the, the simple thing, right? I honored my parents. Uh, uh, 
those things are obvious. He says, those things we know. I, I want to learn you. You obviously lived a long life. And I want to learn from your good deeds. Tell me what you did. I want to learn. I never looked at the at the countenance of a evil person. You're not supposed to. This is what Alicia said to Yehoram. Would it not be for the face of Yeshafat, Malachi, would it not be that I hold him in regard? I mean, I know, so that I, I hold him in esteem. Imabed Allah wouldn't even look at you. Imarach, and if I, if I would, you know, if I would uh, look upon you, I wouldn't look at you, I wouldn't gaze upon you. I'll tell you what happens if you look at an evil person, your eyes become weak. And as you get blinded, his eyes became weak from seeing. Why is that? Because he looked at a Russia. Looked at a Russia. Is that the reason why he became why he became blinded? This is Rabbi Yitzchak said, Don't let the curse of a commoner uh, be, be little in your eyes. In other words, you should take it seriously. After he returned her to, uh, to Avram, he returned her, he cursed, he cursed Sarah in the sky of Sarah, and the curse, uh, the curse was was Mequiam with in 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 her children. In other words, the curse took effect not on Sarah but on her children. Shenema, This is a cover for your eyes. I'll take Elixius like blinding of the eyes. In other words, that it covered up his eyes in, in a way that he couldn't see anymore. So you see over there was Avimel's curse. The Gemara says that uh, caused Yitzchak to go blind, not Yitzchak, not uh, Yitzchak's gazing at Esav. The answer is Hava Hagarmale. Both these things were, both these things uh, uh, caused this to happen. Both, both uh, you know, together, the curse of Avimelech and looking at Esau caused him to go blind. Rabbi Mehocha, Sa'es Pnei Rosh Loto. The Pasuk says, uh, uh, sounds like something in, in Mishlei, yeah. In Mishlei, um, looking at a, uh, at a person or regarding a Rosha is not good. Shaspiti Rosso. When when Rabbi Yeshua ben, ben Korcha died, Amalei, so then Rabbi said to him, Amalei, Rabbi Bacheli, bless me. Amalei, you should live half as long as, as I've lived. You should live half as long. <laughs> I, I shouldn't live as long as you live half. Amalei, the ones, what about your descendants? What are they going to do if you live so long that, that, that your children will never be able to take over. What are they supposed to do? Shepherds? They're going to be uh, shepherds. In other words, you got to give a chance for the other people. I lived an extremely long life. You're not going to be so to live that quite that long. Interesting. Yeah. These two brothers, I'm a deserving one. I never looked at a guy. I didn't do partnership with a guy. This is a, the, probably the most famous one. In what did, what did you do to be Zoha to live a long life? I never got angry at my in my house. And I never walked in front of somebody who's greater than me. And I never thought of the Torah in dirty places like in bathrooms, etc. I never walked, there's more than three. I never walked more than Dalaramas uh, without. I never even walked out, and I was without Torah, without filling, obviously in the weekdays, and I never slept the base. I never slept the base at all. In other words, I wasn't the Zalzil. 
I didn't make right at the base medrash. But losasti the and I never rejoiced uh, if my friends fell, you know, in their downfall. I never called a friend by a derogatory nickname. Some say with the, in the derogatory name of his, a family name that was derogatory, not only his personal name, his family name. But the idea of that, said, I've never, I've never got, got angry at home. So the first time I saw say here that sometimes you have to demonstrate anger to teach the children a lesson. You have to show anger, but in your heart, you shouldn't be angry at all. And you should let things go. That's that's a uh, a recipe for a long life. Let it go, right? Let it go. But another thing, Rabbi said this is a continuation of the previous mission, even though Tos says that before he was um, he he was uh, Mekel, now he's Machmer. But okay, another thing, Rabbi said, basically, uh, what that was demolished or destroyed, it must be Metocho. You don't use it for uh, eulogies. We'll see what this means. That um, uh, for you don't miss, you don't use it. You don't use it uh, uh, for. It was it was considered disrespectful to use a shul for uh, for uh, eulogies unless it was for a very important person like a Talmud Chacham or a great person. So a shul, even though it's destroyed, is still a shul. Just because the shul has been destroyed, you know, it's it's, it's uh, the roof fell in. You can't use it for davening. You still shouldn't act with it disrespectfully. By holding uh, private eulogies there, or you shouldn't use it to twist ropes to tie cord. Really means you shouldn't do any work in a show like that. Or use it as a storage uh, facility. But he gives you examples that 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 since the shuls were big open spaces, so the, that you needed a big open space to tie cords, or to spread out nets there. You know, if you, you don't want to use it for something that you need a you need a big space for that. But don't use shuls for that just because they've been destroyed because it still has pairs. Don't um, spread out uh, fruits to dry on, on its roof. Uh, don't use it as a shortcut. I will destroy your holy places. Even if they're destroyed, even if they're desolate, they're still Kedusha, therefore you should treat them respectfully. Let's say grass grew. In those days, they didn't have tiled floors. It was just a dirt floor, and if grass grew up there, lo yitlo, she shouldn't cut off the grass. So people should feel badly. In other words, that you try to rebuild the shul. In other words, when you see grass growing up high in the shul, so it looks well, it's really forlorn, it's not taken care of, etc. Don't even cut it. This way, when people, it'll cause people to feel badly, and maybe then they'll they'll be encouraged to rebuild the shul, and they'll raise money for the shul. All right, okay. Shuls, you, you should not act with levity in a shul. You don't eat there. You don't drink there. Don't get dressed in there. Then use it as a dressing room. We'll talk about exceptions. Don't use it just to, to you know, walk around and uh, schmooze, whatever, you know, to, uh, to uh, just, you know, feel like it's a place for a little tour. And we don't enter in them. Don't use it as a shelter to shelter from the sun or the rain. They must be in the Also, we don't use, we're talking about regular shuls. Regular shuls, you're not talking yet about one that was destroyed. You don't eat there, you don't drink there, you don't use it as a dressing room, you don't walk around. Use it only for prayers and for davening, for holy things. And you don't use it as a shelter. They must be in the, and you don't use it as a, 
to a, a place to eulogize an individual. Avot Karmbet, you could learn in there, learn in Chumash, Sharnben, learn Mishnah, Maspin Mehesvusharabim. Hesvusharabim, a eulogy that the whole Tzibur is going to come to because of its chashivas of the person who died, that you could do. Amar Vira Emesai, that's all the Yishuvan when the shul is inhabited, it's, it's in use. Avot B'chabonim, when it's destroyed, Menichan also, you leave it, Ba'olim Benasevim, and you let, and Nasevim, and let grass grow. And don't cut it down so that people should feel badly about it. Where do we say before that you don't let the grass grow? So now you say you do let the grass grow. Who mentioned anything about grass? Okay, all of a sudden you say, and when it's destroyed, you let the grass grow. Who's talking about grass? This is what the mission has to read. So while it's in use, you keep the shul clean. You clean it out. Um, uh, you, you wash it. You sprinkle with water to keep the dirt down. Again, the floors were dirt floors. So you'd sprinkle with water like you do in the seventh inning, stretch time. You sprinkle with water to keep the dust down, right? So that the dust would settle. So that grass would not grow. You sprinkle it down. That's on here's what you said. That was what permission was missing. You clean it and you wash it down and you sprinkle water there so the grass should not grow. In other words, you can put the, make the dirt hard. That's only when they're in habit. When the shul is destroyed, so you let it grow. You let the grass grow. Right? So you let it grow. When the grass does grow, you shouldn't cut it down. So people should feel badly. In other words, if people should feel sorry uh, for what's happening, feeling badly, uh, psychologically feeling badly, so that they will. Um, Contribute it and rebuild it. Amar Vasi, about the condition of Babel, the shuls in Babel and Chutzlar, it's Altanayim, they're built Altanayim, like many shuls all built today, that they're used for public, uh, they're used for parties, etc. They're what they call multi-purpose room. Um, even so, even though they're built on a condition that they're not just going to be used for prayer, still you shouldn't be knowing with them, you shouldn't have levity there. My knee, what's that? Cheshbonus, you shouldn't do business there. Amar Vasi, if you use it for business, they uh, store dead bodies there, meaning bad bodies will be left there overnight. What do you mean? They have to. It sounds like if you're doing business there, you should also leave bodies in there. What does that mean? If you disrespect the shul so that so that uh, they, they, they do business in the shul, uh, what's going to happen eventually is, is that somebody will die, a mace mitzvah with nobody to bury it. There'll be a dead body in the shul, which is even more disrespect. And they don't get, you don't get dressed in there. Chacham and their students are allowed to get dressed in the shul. What do you mean, it's the house of the Rabbanon. In other words, in a base medrash, like we say, you shouldn't eat in a shul, drink in a shul. If it's in a base medrash and somebody is learning and uh, they have a cup of tea, as we do, right? Or a cup of coffee and have a sandwich or something like that so they can continue learning, that's not disrespectful. Because it's a the base medish is a base rabbanan. He didn't say here base knesset, he says base rabbanan. Right? He says, hey, we're, we're talking about we jumping from the shul to a base knesset to a base medish, right? Because the bay rabbanan means the base medish, and we're talking about a shul. A shul, you're not supposed to get dressed in, but if Tamirachom are learning in there, so you see the base knesset was used as a base medish also, then they're allowed to use it to uh, for their regular personal needs, like getting dressed and having a bite, whatever. Shouldn't use the shul as a shelter. You're walking down the street and it starts raining. You shouldn't go into the shul as a shelter. 
These two rabbis have become a Vishal Shilkum Rabba. They were asking questions of Rabba outside of Shul. A torrent of rain came. I will make this they came into the basic nests. Amar, they said, the reason we ran into the shul is Labi Shumit. We didn't come in because of the rain. Don't think that we came in because of the rain. Because to understand the answer needs clarity, like a like a clear day. In other words, we just weren't able to concentrate out in the rain. It wasn't that we were looking for, a, if we wouldn't have been talking and learning, we wouldn't have come into the shul. We were talking and learning. We wanted to understand something. We needed a clear mind. What happens? You're not supposed to some, stop going to the shul unless you're going in to pray or to learn. Uh, you're not supposed to go in for, ref, to, for a place of refuge. What happens if a, you need to call somebody from the shul? You want to go into the shul to call somebody out. You're not going in to pray. So why, what should you do? Uh, okay, if you're a Talmud Chacham, so go into the shul and say halacha. And so that you're not going into the shul just to call a guy out. Be Tanahu, if you're a person who knows how to learn Mishnah, if you're well-versed in Mishnah, say that. Be Kar, if you're well-versed in the Chumash, be if you can't even do that. Tell one of the children who always learn in the shul, that's where they, that's where they taught the kids uh, Chumash, tell a child to say the pasuk that he's learning. At least stay in the shul a little bit. If you have to go into the shul, not to daven, at least sit there for a little bit so it doesn't look like you just went in to take care of something you need as a shortcut or to call somebody out or whatever. You shouldn't just go into a shul stam. You should do some mitzvah involved there. What's an example of a eulogy of the of the multitude of people? If a Hesped the Rav Sheshis would come to, somebody in his family, somebody in his base medrash, somebody like that he would come to, that's called the Hesped Rav, because then a lot of people come. And Rav Sheshis returned the compliment. Rav Sheshis would come to it, that would also be a Hesped Rav that you could use a shul for. Talking about using a shul, um, you know, uh, using a shul uh, when it's when it's inhabited even. We're, when, when it's when it's when it's in proper use. Um Rafram Aspital Kal say Rafram uh, was masked by his daughter-in-law Bekish in a shul. Uh, even though we said you're only supposed to do it uh, for a seat or a great seat for Rabin. Omar Mishinyakridi because of my honor, Udamesa and her honor, Asukulam. In other words, when a big crowd will come, when it's a, when a whole seeper will come, because of my honor and the honor of the of the deceased, then you could use a shore. He, he uh, eulogized uh, a rabbi in the shul. Omar, they'll either come because of my honor, or because of the honor of the dead people. Also, call them a people, a lot of people come, therefore, you can use the shul. So, and uh, usually, you don't use a shul, right? Unless a rabbi, when did they make a hespit in a shul? When it was a rabbi, a rabbi, they took him to his shul, or, you know, they, they started the funeral procession from his shul. Eulogize one of the rabbis, the Shrikh Baris Israel Bar Israel. He used to come there to Israel to have a Tani Hilchasa. He taught Halachas Bachaftal Shursa. And 24 rows of Tamidim were learning in front of him. Omar, what did he say in the Hespit? By Chasra Arad Israel. Whoa, Eretz Israel is missing Gavar Rabba, a great man. That's how he was Masbim. Now, Rishlakish was a great rabbi in Eretz Israel. So that was an example of a great rabbi in Israel. Rabba. Uh, I'm sorry, I said, I, I, he's lost a great man, period. There was a rabbi 
who taught halachos and he taught the medrash, the sifra, the sifra, and the sefta, the shach when he died. Also, Ramla Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, they called Rav Nachman Yitzchak, this is in Babel, Lisbede Mar, would you eulogize this great rabbi? Amar, hey, what should I eulogize him for? Hey, Tzana, what is he? He's a ba- he's a basket, the Malay Sifra, uh, sifra uh, the Chasa. What should I say? He's a basket full of books and he's missing. In other words, he gave him a backhanded compliment. He said, he said he's not a Tamar Chacham. He just knew, he knew how to regurgitate the, the books. He, he just repeated the books that he had absorbed, but he wasn't really a Tamar Chacham. Rashi explains that uh, he wasn't able to understand Gemara. He wasn't to understand uh, you know, uh, contradictions between one mission and another Mishnah, when one mission uh, contradicts another one to give an answer and say, or Hamani Rebbe, he wasn't really learned. He was just, yeah, he was a Mishnah, like a child who, who absorbed it and just repeated it out. So, what should I say about somebody like that? That's what he said. So, the Gemara now says, Look look at the difference between, though, between the great or uh, arrogant people in Eretz Israel, the Hasid of the bubble, to the Hasidim of bubble. What do you mean? Resh Lakish was one of the great people in Eretz Israel, but he was also arrogant. What happened? Rashi brings down the story that Resh Lakish, whoever spoke to Resh Lakish, people would, would give him free credit without Adam. They, they, would, they would lend money to that person without Adam because if he's, Resh Lakish spoke to him, you can rest assured that he was a tzaddik. So Resh Lakish wouldn't even speak to, Mar brings down, he wouldn't even speak to Rabbi Archana publicly because. Because of that, Rashi says Rishlakish means that Afilu, but Rabbi Chana wouldn't talk because whoever Rishlakish would be caught speaking to in public, people would give that guy money without any witnesses. So Rishlakish was like, you know, I'm not speaking to this, I'm not speaking to that one, but still, look how he was masked a rabbi. He said, look, Eretz Yisrael is missing this great, great rabbi, and yet Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, who was a chassid in Bavel. And Rashi brings out why is that the very last few words in the Sech Sota, there it says over there that Mishameis Rebbe, so uh, uh, there, there's no more uh, Yiras Chait. That's the last mission, there's no more Yiras Chait. So uh, to that, the Gemara says, Nachmit said, no, not true, don't say Yiras Chait because I'm Yorichait and I'm still here, I'm after Rebbe died. So he was considered a Chosid, and still the Chosid of Babel wasn't so great in his eulogy, right? He sort of put the guy down. He said, he's not such a great rabbi. Whereas Rish Lakesh, uh, who was even a little bit, had a little bit of arrogance in him because he wouldn't just talk to anybody unless they give him, unless people give that guy credit. Uh, he was masked in a, in a proper way. So he was, he was getting, being Meshabach, the rabbis in Eretz Yisrael over those in bubble. Tanan Hossam. It says in, in the Mishnah in Perkei the one who uses the crown, the crown of Torah will pass away. What does it mean? Somebody who learns halachos, uh, that uh, if you use him for your honor, you're going to die. Takes out the words Kishrestav. Better to use a person who learned from the four sedras of, of Mishnayis, the four sedras, but rather than use a person who taught others the four, the four uh, sedras. Better use, and as always, try not to. Use people uh, who are learned uh, for your own benefit. What's an example? was on the road. Mata uh, He came across a pool of water. A man came. picked up Rishlakish and put him on his shoulder because he wanted. He didn't want Rishlakish to get all wet by walking through the pool of water. Become and he was uh, passing him through the over the pool of water. 
Amale, Karis, have you learned Torah? Shlaka said to him, have you learned Torah? Amale, Karina, yes. Tanis, have you learned Mishnah? Tanina, yes, I did. Tanina, obviously, I've learned four, the four, four main starim of Mishnahis. Two they didn't learn. They learned four out of, out of the six. We have the Kmarim Brachas also. Amale, Pasatachar, Baturi, you've hewn out for yourself four mountains. You know, as you've learned four sedras of Mishnahis, the Ta'anta Barlakish, and you're carrying Barlakish, what are you, like a schlepper? Uh, like a Vassar Trager or something, you're schlepping it on your, and you're carrying Barlakish? Uh, on your shoulder, shari balakish b'maya. Throw me into the water. Just throw me. He's talking about himself. Bray shlakish into the water. I would prefer to learn Torah from you rather than uh, throw you down and walk away. I'd rather if I could learn Torah from you, so that uh, that that would be my advantage. If that's the case, So learn from me the following thing. So. So I'll use the opportunity. I'm not using you to to shlep. I'm going to teach you Torah, so you're a Talmud. If you're a Talmud of mine, then it's already proper for you to lift me up. What do I teach? Number of Zayra, but also Israel, Hinechmir Alatzman, but Israel will mock themselves. Shafir rolls, keep us down. They say one drop, even if they see one drop of Dam, but also mock them, Kechardo, like the size of a, of a mustard bean, a mustard seed. Yoshua's love Shim Nakim. They keep shining Nakim. I guess we've done this many times. The Minatorah Nida is a Nida for seven days, whether she saw Dam for one second or all seven days. At the end of seven days, even if she saw Dam earlier that day, she stopped, she stopped seeing Dam, she can go to the Mikvah night and, and uh, be with her husband. However, the Gnosis the, the, because people are not sure when, that's during the seven days of, of, of uh, Nida. That follow, that's followed by 11 days of Zava. If she sees Dam three days in a row during the 11 days, then she has to keep Zion Akim when she stops seeing Dam. But the girls are machmed. Even if they see Dam, they always keep Zion Akim like we do today. They're machmed on themselves. Because there could be times when you do Stam Mira Torah keeps Zion Akim. For example, let's say she's in the middle of Zion Akim and she's on her seventh day of Akim and she sees a Dam. She has to start over again, Zion Akim. So there are cases that maybe she did see, maybe Dam came out and she didn't see it. So they're machmed upon themselves. Why this halacha did he teach them? So the Farshim say, because most halachas, there could be a machlokas, one says one, one says the other. This is simply a chumrah that they took upon themselves, that everybody used that, that's the halacha. There's no, there's no dispute about that. It's a simple, it's a straight halacha, that it's not really based on, it's a minute. It's a minute that they kept for themselves. Now it's a halacha, maybe Yisrael Kedim, but it's a, they kept it upon themselves, and they keep that halacha, and therefore it's a straight thing. It's like a halacha p'sukah, whoever learns halachas, if you learn halacha, you can rest assured that you're a that you will get a share in Olam Abash and Emar. Alichos Olam Lo, the ways uh, of his his ways are everlasting. They will be forever. I'll take Alichos. Don't call his ways or his, or his goings, his walking. El Halachas. If you learn Halachas, you Olam Lo, you'll live. You'll you'll have eternity, meaning you'll have a share in the next world. All right, we'll pick him here tomorrow, Mitzvah Have a good day, everybody. Hope. In this last. Uh...